This program is brought to you by Grand Valley State University. All right. We're talking today uh, with Mr. Francisco Vega. This is our second interview where we're going to pick up from the end of the Second World War and move on uh, from there. The interviewer is James Smither of Grand Valley State University. All right, Mr. Vega, uh, in our first interview, we had basically covered your, your early life and your military career pretty much up to the end of the Second World War. Uh, but you have further experiences after that, both in Europe at the end of World War II and then in, in the period of the Korean conflict. Uh, and so we'd like to pick up the story. Basically, where were you when the war in Europe ended? Were you in France at that point still? No, I was in Germany. Okay. Uh, we had been in France at Chantilly. Mm -hmm. uh, we just moved to, uh, we're on our way to Bad Kissingen, K-I-S-S-I-N-G-E, and we Kissingen, Germany. And on the way there, of course, we saw quite a bit of the country of uh, France and mm -hmm. Belgium and uh, the different uh, things that had been taking place, the bombardments of cities. Right. Uh, and while in Bad Kissingen is where uh, I then ended up going to the to the Ardennes mm -hmm. on, a, on a volunteer way to get a, one of our people out of there. We had a special equipment, and it was a, a Type 10 equipment, which today we call satellites, and it has to be from one high point to another high point. And this were we were a mobile outfit. And uh, we, we, you had talked about doing that uh, in, in our first interview. Yes, because that was during the that was during the, the, the war still. Okay, during the Ardennes offensive, because I, we had to get that out of there ahead of uh, the Germans. Well, okay, now from there, mm -hmm. let me just take it to the end of the war mm -hmm. on that, when we found out that uh, changes were being made. Mm -hmm. uh, I was busy putting together the records. Mm -hmm. Our battalion had over 1,300 people mm -hmm. on it. And uh, so, and now we had, I think, myself and one other person. That's all to take care of all the personnel records, uh, right. three companies and headquarters company. So we were very busy. Uh, and I do not think that we were, uh, we thought it was great, but we had not seen the end of the war the, mm -hmm. uh, itself. Uh, and some of the people volunteered to go to uh, the Pacific. Right. So there were more records to get ready. Mm -hmm. uh, then I find out that we need a certain number of points, and I had all of these records of people who had been in Africa, mm -hmm. who had been ac across northern Africa, and then into uh, the landings in, uh, in Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, we had, then we had, were, had been in five campaigns. All this started coming together. Mm -hmm. as the records were being put together. Right. And, uh, uh, we realized, I think at one point, someone said, do you realize how long we've been in a combat zone? Mm -hmm. And they said 18 months, the entire time from the time we landed in Normandy mm -hmm. right to the Ardennes, and now we're getting ready to leave on that. So uh, the, I find out that I do not have, I missed returning with my outfit by about two points. Mm -hmm. Because so, your unit had already been in existence and you had joined it as a replacement. So those guys who've been in Africa and so forth, yes. they had more points than you, and they could all be discharged, but you're still there. Right. And uh, again, even with the five campaigns I was in, mm -hmm. I still was missing about a couple of points. So mm -hmm. I remember the colonel came over and uh, he said, I've arranged it so that you go from here to uh, Bad Neustadt. Mm -hmm. This is a long lines company, handle uh, communication lines. Right. He said, you won't be there long. He said, I feel badly that you're not returning with us. But uh, I s he said, just get ready to leave. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was it. So I went to Bad Neustadt, joined this outfit, and... Uh, while there, I was uh, able to see a great deal of uh, what we call DPs, displaced people. Mm -hmm. uh, many of them had broken limbs that had mended crooked. They had not been mm -hmm. set or anything. 
Uh, and I was there, I would say, not more than two weeks. And then I was asked uh, to leave, to get ready to leave. Mm -hmm. They took the railroad station. There were the 48 bus cars mm -hmm. uh, open. And I joined another bunch of guys, and we started on the train back to La Havre. So you can see from Germany all the way to the port of La Havre. Uh, remember that we had no seats in there. We had no uh, toilets. We had no, uh, nothing in right. And, and what was the weather like at that point? Very was cold. It, cold? it was yeah, cold it was at that year. time. Mm -hmm. uh, what we did, and of course this is again goes back to a number of things that uh, the people, the American soldier, was so resourceful. And uh, we picked up five gallon cans of gasoline, mm -hmm. and uh, other guys picked up some uh, containers, put sand in them, and these were we would put the gasoline into mm -hmm. the sand and light it. We were very careful because it was just an open flame, but right. that's the way we came through all the way to the port. Uh, we get to the port, uh, we took us to the, oh, uh, there's uh, different groups that they had, they called them Chesterfield Camp and different. Right, yeah, they had a whole bunch of camps and they were all named after different cigarette brands for some, some reason. Yes, yeah. and uh, then from there they uh, took us to the ship and we came on the Wilson Victory. Now these were the new Victory ships. Mm -hmm. This one was brand new. It had just arrived from the States, and I do not believe it had, a, any, had been used for anything yet, mm -hmm. uh, not a load of anything. So uh, they put us on that, and we left the uh, harbor, we left right. uh, uh, France. With, with that, we had a very, very rough trip. Uh, this uh, uh, ship would uh, go down and go up again. I'm not a, a Navy person or anything like that, but it would go way up and come down, and the motor would be whirling up in the air. Right. It was grinding away. Uh, we had a, on the area that we were in, there was a beam that came loose and it just went right across the floor. Mm -hmm. And just, uh, we had a post with hammocks uh, on the entire floor. And uh, it just cut them like it were butter. Right. And uh, again, here's the resourcefulness. We immediately grabbed our duffel bags with our equipment and we just ran after that beam like mm -hmm. and threw ourselves on top. Everybody just threw all this stuff on top right. to stop it. Uh, but then we we made it through uh, with with a, like I say the, the storm was a very bad one, but we got through landed in Camp Kilmer, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. That's the next place right. I can recall. Uh, I started making phone calls, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, one of the things that I was concerned about um, in in Europe a great deal was that I wanted to get back mm -hmm. and marry this girl I had met, right. and I was more afraid of not accomplishing that mm -hmm. part of my life than I was of getting killed there. But uh, uh, this is a person I, I married in 1946 and I was still married. But uh, so I've, I finally went from there to a, a railroad station. Well, when we got to the uh, Camp Kilmer mm -hmm. at the dock, I remember stepping out and possibly 10 feet high, there were boxes of small milk bottles uh, in carton. We had mm -hmm. not had any milk. And uh, we started drinking, of course, it got many of us sick. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and then from there we went to, uh, again, to the railroad station. And they took us down to, um, well, I went down to Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. And things started, uh, again, events were getting into place. And I remember getting into the railroad station in San Antonio. And uh, this one fellow uh, came by and he said, well, I'm playing golf over the weekend. Are you going to be caddying? Uh, it was a very quick reaction, but mm -hmm. uh, his lip was cut to where <laughs> he had to take him right away and give him some stitches. Mm -hmm. But uh, again, I did not feel that 
as a racism or anything like that. It just felt that this is not something that I wanted. I mean, right. uh, so I reacted to it. Mm -hmm. uh, again, those were the changes that had come about. Um, none of us had put up with anything. Right. I mean, we had been tested. We had mm -hmm. volunteered, many of us. And so then from there, I remember calling, uh, calling home. I arrived, and Dad said, uh, are you ready to, to leave? You're going to pick you up. I said, Dad, I'll take the bus. I'll, I'll get home. It's mm -hmm. fine. I said, I'll have a couple of days. So then uh, they were processing us. Uh, we were at, at Dodd Field, mm -hmm. uh, again, which is part of Fort Sam Houston. And uh, I remember we're in this, like, four-car garage, four, uh, garage right. open. And I remember that um, someone, uh, a plane, we heard the sound of a plane, and one of the young uh, soldiers who was there, Processing has yelled, you know, the plane or something, uh, strafing, and he yelled mm -hmm. something. <laughs> Those of us hit the floor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then they started laughing, so many like, guys. But anyway, we, we picked up that young guy, took him to the shower, clothes and all. Mm -hmm. But uh, this was just <laughs> an incident, an experience of the changes that were coming about that we were still reacting mm -hmm. on that. Uh, from, from there, I... Uh, I remember that uh, one of the persons that was there, and he kept looking at me for a while. It was this big first sergeant, mm -hmm. and I mean, uh, what you would call a, the kind you would like to see in a movie. He had a big mm -hmm. pot belly. Right. He had all the medals on, everything mm -hmm. else, and he said hi to me. And he said, "So you made it?" And I said, "Yes." And then uh, he, he had the purple heart on. Mm -hmm. I said, "But I was, <laughs> I told him, I was not dumb enough to get one of those," mm -hmm. <laughs> and we were joking. And he and he he said what the I said what the heck did you do, and I I only have my my staff sergeant Chevron's on mm -hmm. he's a first sergeant of course I had received a promotion to the sergeant major but mm -hmm. uh, he said I didn't keep my butt down <laughs> I said you were hit there you're joking and by then all the other guys were just joking mm -hmm. and talking about that and then I said you know I remember you for another reason and I said what's that. Said so you were the guy that put me to pack those one-pound bags of <laughs> saltpeter, mm -hmm. and yeah, I said we do it all the time. <laughs> so this was another little incident, and mm -hmm. from there, I remember taking the the, the uh, I left there in the morning. I was discharged. I had my army discharge. I went and took the bus, and went home. And I I arrived home, and of course the family was waiting. I mm -hmm. called them, and I remember mother was crying, and I thought she's crying, she's happy. But she kept on crying for a while, and I said, Mother, I'm going to be here now. I said, uh, I'm just, uh, oh, just in talking with the first sergeant, mm -hmm. uh, he asked me what I was going to do, and he said, well, are you staying in the reserve? Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, I've been wanting to get a commission. Maybe I should do that. So I signed up for the reserve. Mm -hmm. That was the beginning of a, right. the final deal on this thing. So I get home, and then uh, we sit down, we talked, and Mother said, well, I do have something for you. Uh, and th this... By the way, is uh, I'm, I'm a little bit ahead of the story on this because this is after I had been in Grand Rapids. But when I, when I was there, I met with the family. Mm -hmm. um, I made a trip to Saltillo, Mexico. Mm -hmm. My aunt, Simona, uh, and grandmother, and uncles, and aunts, and cousins were there. And my aunt Simona said, you know, I made a promise while you were in service that if you would come back, we would keep this promise. Now, in Spanish, it's called a manda. It's almost like an order, in mm -hmm. other words, that you have agreed to do something. Right. Uh, so we went to the church, uh, a sanctuary, Our Lady Guadalupe there in Saltillo. And the promise that you had made was that if I came back alive, that 
she and I would, wa would walk from the, on our knees from the door of the church to the altar, mm -hmm. which we kept on that. Uh, we did that. But again, these are just part of the cultural side, mm -hmm. and I respected their wishes, and uh, sure. I was very happy that he, if that's what got me back, mm -hmm. I, so I wouldn't argue with it. not argue, right. So then I returned to San Antonio. I uh, had a job right away with a Veterans Administration the Adjudication Division because of my typing. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is in January, February of 46. I mm -hmm. uh, had my wife and I, um, my uh, lady, I was, girl I was going to marry, we agreed to get married in, in May of 46. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we were married, we returned to San Antonio. Uh, we were married in St. Louis, Missouri. One of the fellows that landed with me in Normandy, uh, um, I think it was him just a moment, uh, he was, um, he's our best man. Mm -hmm. And uh, so then we returned to San Antonio. Uh, then we, re we left for Grand Rapids, found a school. I wanted to go to the University of Michigan, mm -hmm. but uh, for what reason, I still do not know. I, I liked the name, mm -hmm. and uh, I had been to three other schools before in the Army uh, University, so when uh, we could not get into U of M because every state university was giving preference to state veterans, to mm -hmm. the, their state veterans. Right. And uh, so my wife had met uh, the Jean Adrian's the Grand Rapids family here mm -hmm. in uh, Chicago. While she was, my wife was working for the Social Security Administration mm -hmm. and living at the YW, YWCA, and this right. is where Jean also lived. So they mm -hmm. started talking about school, and she mentioned Aquinas that was just getting started. Mm -hmm. uh, so we came up uh, on that, and it was in September 46. Mm -hmm. This, when I left the, the Veterans Administration, I, I believe that from the time I worked with them in a few months, I received about four promotions, mm -hmm. pay promotions, right. uh, because what I was doing was typing right. uh, records, and of course my typing speed was, yeah. Yeah. was there. You were both fast, and you had a lot of experience with records by this yes. time, too. Yes, so then, uh, uh, and with numbers, it's mm -hmm. something else I had done uh, before, just before I went to service. I had about a year and a two years of uh, working as a billing clerk, mm -hmm. and uh, there were just all numbers. Uh, on that, which you would practice. I mean, time you just practice a letter. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so then we came up here in September of uh, 46. Uh, in 48, I went to the University of Michigan for the School of Business Administration. Mm -hmm. uh, it was there that I met George Hartwell, the father of President Mayor mm -hmm. and Doris. He was just out of the Navy. I was just out of the Army. Right. We lived next to each other at Willow Run Village mm -hmm. and uh, in Ypsilanti. But then uh, we returned to San Antonio. Uh, in January 51. However, for my wife was working at the Grand Rapids Press at the time, mm -hmm. at, with the old building down okay. across from the Veterans Park, and uh, there was an ad in the paper. And uh, my wife, I called her, and she said, uh, why do you want to apply for a job? I thought we were leaving for San Antonio. I said, well, we are. And so you said, we leave in January. And I said, yes. And this is October. Uh, during the last year, of 1949 mm -hmm. I had also, we were living in Norwood Street, and I, I saw a job opening at the East Town Theater. Mm -hmm. They had a sign out there, and I went in and talked to uh, the owner at that time, it was Ellen Johnson. And he said, Do you want that job? And I said, Yes, I was surprised. And he said, No, I said, that's a woman's job. And I said, you, Do you pay for this? He said, Yes. He said, If you don't mind, he said, I'll take it. I'll live right around the corner here. Right. So I took that. It was a big joke for a while because people were not used to that, but it was it was a good experience. Uh, I ended up 
managing the wealthy, the hour, the four mm -hmm. star, mm -hmm. the family, uh, and the East Town. Mm -hmm. And that was a chain owned by Ellen Johnson, and I guess the film was supplied by a Detroit mm -hmm. uh, organization. So then uh, in, um, in October of that year, it's when I called my wife, I said, there's a box uh, ad in the paper, and I'd like to know what it is. And she asked me again, are we leaving for San Antonio? I said, yes. Mm -hmm. But so she said, well, it's uh, Resurrection Cemetery, the Catholic Diocese. Mm -hmm. They're out on uh, Lower Monroe, just about where the buildings, new buildings right. are now. And uh, I went over there, and they, and they said, look, uh, the fellow, uh, Harry, he said he's from, uh, He's from Kansas City. He was up here helping get Resurrection Cemetery started. Mm -hmm. Resurrection being the second Catholic cemetery in the nation of no upright monuments. Mm -hmm. I knew nothing about cemetery business, but right. he talked to me and uh, Harry Groff, and he said, um, it's commission. I said, fine. So he said, uh, now here's what you do. So you take this book, these pages, and uh, uh, study them. And I said, well, I have a couple of questions. He said, don't worry about the questions. The people have all the answers for you. Mm -hmm. And he had come from Kansas City. The thing is, he did not know too much about the business himself, but mm -hmm. I believed him. He was in charge. Mm -hmm. uh, from October to January, uh, I started calling and um, just telling the people who I was. I wanted to explain the facility, facility of Resurrection Cemetery, right. and um, uh, I'd have an appointment. Mm -hmm. Well, then I, once I was there, I would tell him, I'm going to be here only a short time. Do you have any questions? Why? I'll finish in about 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. But I lucked out all the way through because people did not want to talk about this. Mm -hmm. It is not something that people say, well, here, you're going to die. I'm going to put you here. Right. But the fact that they knew how long I was going to be there uh, encouraged them to listen a little bit. Mm -hmm. We left in January. By then, uh, the first week in January of 51, mm -hmm. I set a national sales record. I was told it was a national sales record. I sold 17 contracts in one week. Mm -hmm. Uh, yes, I made some money. We had a brand new 51 Buick Special. We had mm -hmm. custom-made furniture. And uh, so we left for San Antonio. And this is uh, when I was leaving, I got a phone call from Mr. James uh, Harrington, mm -hmm. who had, was helping the Catholic Church develop right. Resurrection Cemetery. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other one was in Kansas City, Missouri, the Mount Olivet Cemetery. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to know, I said, uh, would you mind my asking you why are you leaving? Is there something... Uh, that is not uh, that you like. Mm -hmm. I said, no. He says, have you ever made this kind of money before that you're making? I said, not with a piece of paper and a pen. Mm -hmm. I said, and he said, well, uh, you're, you're going back to San Antonio now. I said, yes. He said, uh, could you make, I said, well, I'm stopping in Peoria to see my laws and so mm -hmm. on. He said, could you stop by Kansas City? Mm -hmm. I said, sure. So we stopped by there on the way down. He took us to the country club. We had a wild game. It was just a beautiful place. And he kept asking me, he said, do you know what you're going to do when you get to Santa? I said, no. He said, well, why, are you, why did you leave this where you made this money? I said, well, I have made more money than this. I had my own business before I came out of high school. Mm -hmm. I said, but never. It was just a pen and, right. a, and a contract. And he said, uh, if there's anything that you need, he said, please give me a call. He says, I enjoyed talking with you, took me to his home. I was there just a couple of days. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, we left on that basis, and he said, as we were leaving, he said, there's one thing you can do for me. He said, will you please check on this uh, demographics for Corpus Christi? Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And he said the church is called. They also want one of these cemeteries. I said, fine, I'm happy to do it. So I get back to San Antonio, and it's going back to the early comment that I had gotten, I was ahead of my mm -hmm. changes in life. Right. And when I arrived in San Antonio, my mother is crying. Dad is mm -hmm. there. Everybody's happy. But at the same time, mother finally I said, I have something for you. Mm -hmm. I said, well, what is it? He said, what's this envelope? Well, mother, you do not know what it is. Why are you crying? Mm -hmm. He says, if you look at the address, it's the army. Mm -hmm. And it was thick. Right. And I, I opened it up. I'm being recalled mm -hmm. from the Air Force Reserve right. to active duty in the Korean War. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, my gosh. Now, I was just planning work. I was planning a life yet right. to start the family right. and so on. And I think that uh, I had to report the next day. I think we got there on the mm -hmm. weekend. Uh, and Monday, I'm at Brooksville. Uh, when uh, I, I walked in there, I said, look, is there a possibility I can get an extension? Mm -hmm. He said, no. And he said, just walk over here, swore me in. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, we're going to save time. He says, uh, I'm going to issue your clothing. So I came back home with my duffel bag again. Right. And uh, in the meantime, <clears throat> I thought, well, I'll get the work done for Mr. Harrington. Mm -hmm. So I did get to the library and looked up uh, the diocese and population and so on. Right. And I called him back. I gave him the information. And uh, he said, well, have you made up your mind what you're going to do? And I said, yes. <laughs> I said, yes, Mr. Harrington. I said, so quickly? I said, oh, yeah. He said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going back in the Army. And there was a silence because mm -hmm. he had not been able to go into, into the Army because he had a problem with his feet. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, would you repeat that? I said, I'm going back in the Army. I've been called back. He said, do you want to go back? Well, no, not really. Mm -hmm. He said, Francisco, with the record that you have of what you did in the military, why are you being called back? I said, Mr. Harrington, I don't know. I said, but I know I'm, I have my clothing and everything, and I'm supposed to get back there. And he, and he would speak with Missouri, slow, mm -hmm. talk, measured, you know. Right. And he said, uh, what are you doing tomorrow? I said, well, I think I have three days that I'm putting things together. And he said, would you meet me at the airport? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I said, he says, I'll let you know what time, what flight I'm arriving. Okay. So he flew in. Mm -hmm. He would go into, uh, into Brooks Field. And um, I, it was either a full colonel or one star general that we ended up talking to. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mr. Harrington starts talking to him. And he said, um, Bud Harrington, he called me Bud. He said, I'm Bud Harrington. I'm in Kansas, Missouri. Mm -hmm. I could almost hear him talking this right. way. And he said, I, I understand that Mr. Vega is being called back to Korea. And this fellow was straight back. And he said, that mm -hmm. is correct. And he said, uh, well, he says, I'm here to ask if you can give an extension. He mm -hmm. says, no, we cannot do that. And he said, uh, well, how about... Uh, Sometimes we can straighten out his personal affairs. Mm -hmm. He said, no, sir, we cannot do that. He said, Mr. Aaron said, may I use your phone? Mm -hmm. So then he picks up the phone. I'm trying to keep from uh, smiling or laughing only because of what then followed. Mm -hmm. He called and starts talking to someone. He says, this is Bud Harrington. Mm -hmm. He said, is, uh, I think he said Harry there. Mm -hmm. And then he started talking. And he said, oh, fine, fine. He said, I, I guess the Mulebach Hotel is part of his family, Harrington's mm -hmm. family. And there's a well-known name, the Mulebach Brewery and, mm -hmm. and uh, 
wealth and so forth. Well, pretty soon, this officer who was in charge, he got the drift as what, what might be mm -hmm. the person at the end of the line. And uh, I, it took me a little while longer. But then this officer, he kept telling Mr. Harrington, you know, that's all right, that's fine, that's fine. Mm -hmm. He didn't want any, any part of it. And uh, then uh, Mr. Harrington said something, oh, is he allowed, you want to talk to him? And this really got this officer quite concerned. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Harrington said, no, I, said, I think we've got it taken care of. So that was ended. Uh, to this day, all I know is that whoever was at the end of the line was important to this, the moment there. Mm -hmm. uh, when uh, I got the extension of uh, 30 days, and I did some more work for Mr. Harrington, Mr. Harrington told me, said, here's what this man has made. He's still working for me. He just got this demographics. So he was telling the truth. Mm -hmm. So I get that extension. I still only had a certain number of days. All the furniture we had bought, by the way, had not arrived in San Antonio. They mm -hmm. finally found the truck had gone into a ditch, and it was oh. all ruined. It had been oh. underwater for some time. But we went uh, then from there. Uh, the last weekend that I was, uh, had to report on a Monday, I told my wife, look, I just want some time by myself. I'm, I'm going fishing. So I went to the... Uh, outskirts of San Antonio River or one of the rivers and I remember I had a fly rod which I I had not used in years but and I don't even have bait on there I just mm -hmm. have a knot on it to get the line out and while I'm sitting out there uh, I'm out there uh, this fellow comes from along the river and it's uh, not populated mm -hmm. on it and he's in uh, like work clothes very close uh, like army mm -hmm. stuff and he stops, and he walks a little bit closer again. He was started about a half a block away when I saw him. He finally gets close enough, and uh, he sits there. I didn't say anything. I had my own um, self-pity or whatever it was at that moment, or anger. Usually it's anger with me that I let myself get into situations like that. And finally he said, he said, do you have a cigarette? And uh, I didn't want to talk to anybody. Mm -hmm. I said, yes, I was smoking at the time. So I gave him a cigarette, and he moves away. He said, do you have a match? I gave him a match, and then I said, look, would you mind leaving me alone? I said, I don't want to be rude, but I'm out here. I'm, I'm just uh, going over something that I have mm -hmm. to go over in my own mind. Well, he lit a cigarette and smoked, and as he's leaving, he said, you, when you get there tomorrow, he said, you ask for this person. Mm -hmm. And I let out a stream of profanity to this guy. So <laughs> you'll leave me alone. Mm -hmm. uh, bum, what are you, uh, you know, just mind your own business. So anyway, uh, he left. When I go there to report the next morning, the first sergeant said, uh, please go into the, uh, into the office with the officers there. Mm -hmm. And I walked in, and this fellow from the river was sitting there. Mm -hmm. Now, how this came about, I've, I have had, even experienced with even less of an explanation at Omaha Beach. Mm -hmm. That I got through a lot of stuff. But here's one, another one that came, and he said, this is for you, the orders. Mm -hmm. He said, you do not have to report. Mm -hmm. He said, you were called up by mistake. Oh. And I know, I said, how many people are you calling up by mistake? And he said, if I were you, I'd get out of here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he says, you know, you're no longer, you're in the reserve, you're back in the reserve. So I walked out. And I stayed in there just long enough for that term to end. Then I did not 
uh, sign up again. Mm -hmm. But I did want to get a commission, and that's why I stayed in there. But that was about that was the end of my time in service. Right. Now, how did you know, who do you think was the person on the other end of that telephone when Mr. Harrington was calling? Uh, who might have been? I would say it was Harry Truman. Mm -hmm. And they have known each other. Mm -hmm. uh, he, uh, Harry Truman had his offices in a suite and so on at uh, at Newbach um, uh, Hotel. hotel. Mm -hmm. uh, so this this is why I never asked Mr. Harrington because later mm -hmm. on I went to, back to work with him mm -hmm. on that. But it was such an unusual thing I wouldn't ask. On that. I mean I respected the guy and I thought, <laughs> but that's who I th that's why I thought he was calling. That's mm -hmm. who that officer thought he was calling. Mm -hmm. It took me a little while to catch on, but. Uh, uh, very unusual things, very unusual things that I've experienced. And um, like why, this fellow coming along the river. Mm -hmm. I mean, how did he know that I, I must have said something to him yeah. uh, for, for him to tell me. He says, when you go there, mm -hmm. say so you ask for this person. Right. I, I didn't ask for anyone. I just went in because I didn't believe that this guy was anyone mm -hmm. that could help me anyway. Kind of a, a strange business. So once you had that sorted out, then you, did you go and, and work for Mr. Harrington then? Was that the, the up, upshot of that, since you didn't have to no. stay in the Army? No, I gave uh, Mr. Harrington the information. Mm -hmm. uh, my sister and I started talking about um, doing something in business, mm -hmm. and she said, well, let me show you something. He said, I've been making these uh, were sandals uh, flat with uh, made for uh, 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 the toweling cloth, what they call that. Uh, like a terry cloth? Pardon? Terry cloth? Terry cloth. They were made from that. It was like you just slipped them and they mm -hmm. were making them. And she had the machine there at the house. She was doing that for them. And I said, how long have you been doing this? Oh, he said, anytime I want to, I just get some work on this. Mm -hmm. He said, but I want to uh, tell you something else that I believe we can do. He said, do you remember the Rizik brothers? R-I-Z-I-K. We grew up with them. This were... Uh, uh, Syrian, uh, Lebanese, I do not recall, they're Middle Eastern people. And he said, sure, Mike and Teresa, and we had been in elementary school. He said, well, he says, I think they, we can get some work from them. I said, well, how much work? He says, why don't you go and talk to them? So I went downtown, it was a ju juvenile manufacturing company. Mm -hmm. They owned a building that took up the entire block. It was about four or five stories high, and inside, it was all embroidery, mm -hmm. all uh, manufacturing of clothing and so on. Right. So right. I walked in with Mike, and uh, he said, uh, well, he says, uh, how is uh, your mother and the family and so on? Fine. I said, well, my sister is doing some machine embroidery. And uh, he said, I thought that I might be able to get some work for, me for her, for, uh, for us. And he said, well, what, what do you have? That, what kind of work? So I took out some samples mm -hmm. on that. He said, you You can do this here? I said, yes. He said, we're sending all this stuff out to Dallas. Mm -hmm. He said, we cannot get somebody here who can do this. And it was just simply, well, it, it could be a number of things, but the samples that I took were just a little piece of cloth. Mm -hmm. It had a, the face like of a cat in one line mm -hmm. drawing. It was like a cartoon deal. Right. And it could be done in a matter of uh, seconds, 15 mm -hmm. seconds or so. It was a chain, chain stitch, mm -hmm. like the machine that you used for putting a name right. on. So... He said, I can uh, give you quite a bit of business on this. It's okay. And I said, uh, please put it in writing. So fine, you put it in writing. Mm -hmm. And I go back home. <laughs> I said, well, I've got uh, 
a letter here that will give us about as much business as we can handle. Mm -hmm. And I said, I asked my sister, what do, you, what do we need? He said, well, we better get uh, two more machines or get one more machine. Mm -hmm. And uh, we took a room that was uh, adjacent to the garage on that and started working on that. Mm -hmm. I go back to uh, Mike and uh, he said, okay, he said, I have an order. I'll have it delivered for you. He sends out the beginning of 140,000 dozen. Wow. I think we finished 40,000 mm -hmm. at a dollar a dozen. Not having 40,000 dozen at a dollar a dozen. And uh, then we would just take this. My sister started training other people mm -hmm. that had graduated with her from a technical school, mm -hmm. San Antonio Tech. And we started getting them out. We were just giving them flat pieces. Right. And that's just developed into a, uh, we're doing uh, anything that was printed. We mm -hmm. could put in, in uh, an embroidery. embroidery right. uh, I've had people that had uh, Santa Catrudis cattle. It was a new breed that was developed. Mm -hmm. And uh, they wanted to, for shows. And we would take a four by eight piece of felt, blue felt mm -hmm. or white felt and embroider the, the photograph right on there. And of course, that was very good money on that. This were, these people treated this cattle like children. You know, there was a pride and joy and the breeding <laughs> and everything that went with it. But we got into that, into working with furniture manufacturers, mm -hmm. uh, for the inside of caskets. Uh, so we, we got into volume on that. Uh, by then, we were, had three shifts uh, working on that. And uh, then I, Mr. Herring called me and he said, uh, could you break away and come up for a weekend? Mm -hmm. I said, sure. So my wife stayed in Peoria. Uh, by then we had our first uh, uh, child. Mm -hmm. And I went to Kansas City. And Mr. Aaron said, look, I have Albanese connected in Troy. And he said, I'm not getting the results. Mm -hmm. I've got, I have Grand Rapids. I have Kansas City. Right. And uh, now Mr. Harrington had on uh, banks, uh, automobile distributorships, like mm -hmm. Kaiser Fraser. Right. Uh, he was a, a business person. Right. And he said, would you be interested in just checking out and see if you can tell these guys how you made your sales? Mm -hmm. I said, Mr. Harrington, I just asked the people if I can explain the services that we have. So I started there in Kansas City, and uh, first thing I, I had to do, I, know I went in our first meeting, there's a fellow puts his feet up on the table, mm -hmm. and he has a small knife and cleaning his fingernails. And I, first thing I, I said, well, I, says, I, I think, uh, would you wait till after the meeting if you want to talk with me? I said, you're really, you've been fired. Mm -hmm. So the rest of them got the drift too. They started listening, and we started getting sales. Uh, then I, uh, my sergeant said, well, how would you like to t handle the sales contract? I said, Mr. Harrington, I've got a Nymphine company, mm -hmm. this business there, uh, embroidery. I said, let me talk to my sister. <clears throat> my sister and I talked, and he said, she said, well, if you want to stay, it'll be fine. I said, okay, <clears throat> why don't you take my share, my share of the company for a dollar? We had all kinds of equipment, machines that we had cutting power cutting tools, right. we had all, many things going. So that, that was all still in San Antonio though, right? It was all in San Antonio. Okay, and so why were you up in Peoria at that point? At this point, I had uh, come back to Peoria to talk with my wife, and mm -hmm. she, she was also mm -hmm. in agreement. And uh, so then I just went back to Kansas City. Mm -hmm. Whatever I had in San Antonio, stayed there for quite a while. But uh, I started then hiring and training the people for Albany's Connected Detroit mm -hmm. Cemeteries right. for the Grand Rapids, and then uh, I, uh, there was a change, Harry Groff wanted to return to Kansas City. And Mr. Harrington asked me, he said, well, look, says, you want to, you have any suggestions about who do we put in there? Mm -hmm. I said, Mr. Harrington, how about me? 
Mm -hmm. And he said, why do you want to go there? And Kansas City, you know, is a big right, operation. Right. And I said, I like the fishing. I like the hunting. Mm -hmm. I, I don't like the cloudy days, he says, but I think my wife would also like it. She was born mm -hmm. in, in Idaho, raised in Peoria, in Illinois. Mm -hmm. And she always talked about these changes of climate. Right. So. She liked so to have seasons. We came back to Grand Rapids. Uh, again, George Hartwell had just moved mm -hmm. to Grand Rapids from uh, Detroit. And he was heading uh, Citizens Mortgage mm -hmm. on that. Uh, he was a graduate attorney, but then he went to the mortgage business. Right. And uh, again, just like we had lost brothers, and mm -hmm. we had enjoyed many fishing trips, many uh, hunting trips. The family came along. Mm -hmm. And it was, it's been a very nice experience there. So that about brings me up mm -hmm. to uh, working with you and the great job that you're doing. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming on in then and finishing the story for us. Very good. Thank you very much again. Okay. All right. We can switch these off, and we can tell Tom he gets away with his one-hour tape this time. <laughs> there, there are so many things that keep coming up. <coughs> Even when I was writing this this morning, mm -hmm. that uh, I know I've, I've, I made notes like a for writing a book, mm -hmm. because there's so many sides right. that, that come up. I, I remember seeing this guy, that guy said, they're complimenting this, I guess he was a medic. Mm -hmm. uh, I already got, came back with Sherbert, and, and here this guy said, look what this guy did, look what this guy did. And he took a pen, and of course the pens we used at that time had a, a rubber cartridge inside, and he stuck it in the guy, for him to breathe. Right, make it tracheotomy that way, yeah. Yeah, and, <laughs> you know, I had never seen anything like that. And uh, then they, they took him out. There's another incident, they had a, a display here in Grand Rapids, a photographer, he right. had his offices in the M-Way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of veterans of five wars. Mm -hmm. uh, they had this display in Lansing, they had it in, in Holland. When the one in Holland we went there, they had it in a mall. Mm -hmm. And as I were watching, this man comes up to me, he said, he said, I saw your photograph and the information that you have there. He said, I just want to tell you that I was with the medical corps. Mm -hmm. And he said, we were in England, and they were bringing back as many pieces that they could find, mm -hmm. as many bodies, as many right. other wounded and so on. Right. And he said, the guy that they were bringing back that could talk, and this is the way you put it. He said, there's a, no bastards are getting hurt. Mm -hmm. They're being chopped up. And it was Omaha Beach. Right. But he said, and when he was telling this in Holland, he started uh, tearing right. on that. And he said, was that true? I said, yeah. So there, but these are things that, until I gave my first talk on this at the Michigan Military Historian, mm -hmm. and my wife was there, I had never talked about it. There was no need for it. Because I'm not the only one there. Right. This is what bothered me at times when I read the stories have been written and written and these people were not there. Uh, and they're not telling the truth. <laughs> and I'm not about to get up and challenge all this money on there, but I think in an opportunity like this, I'll tell you what I can recall. Right, well, what has happened is that in, in the past 20 years or so, people who sort of write military history and that kind of thing and study it, they recognize that there's really an awful lot to be learned from the veterans and that if you have the chance to go and, and talk to them, you can 
do it. Now, you, know, you have to always be careful because memory will play tricks on you or you can do things here or there. But what I find in doing this is that there's a lot of things that really stick in someone's head. So the image is there. There's something they saw. There's something they experienced. And if you can place it at all or connect it, then uh, you have something that, that's as authentic or more authentic than, than whatever else you there, can get. When you talk about images, uh, I'm, I'm talking to you with this whole side over here of images that I have not talked about. Mm -hmm. I mean, of things like uh, this right. piece of, you know, this guy. Mm -hmm. uh, the one guy committed suicide mm -hmm. and uh, didn't shame killing. And the, the material, by then I was a personnel sergeant major and uh, I saw the adjutant says, check this out. This is for a record. And there was a letter that the fellow had written left there and he said, things are so rough, we're getting shot up, we're, there's nothing like that. Mm -hmm. Not in Chantilly. I mean, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, we had, we had, um, had I was on guard when this one German officer came marching down mm -hmm. at night, but not that kind of fighting we had been experiencing before. Right. I said, we were in combat, we were, for 18 months, we were being strafed for all of this stuff, but nothing like, uh, yeah. like the beginning. And this fellow had written this letter to be sent home. Now, he was one of about four or five guys they were constantly, they lived in a separate area mm -hmm. where, where we were. Mm -hmm. There was barbed wire on them all the time. Uh, this one with the cups, you know, deal. Mm -hmm. uh, and they had uh, guards, they guard, uh, guards with dogs, they were escorted. The preceding program is copyrighted by Grand Valley State University. Visit us at gbsu.edu.